Hi everyone, welcome to our special AVS edition of Kiln Rendezvous, the show that will help you navigate the world of restaking and AVS. Today your host is Edgar Roth, Protocol Specialist at Kiln. Enjoy listening. Hey there, and welcome to the latest episode of Kiln Rendezvous, Again Layer Edition. I'm Edgar, Protocol Specialist at Kiln, the leading enterprise-grade staking platform. And today I am your host, but I'm not alone. I've also invited Sébastien Ranou, Principal Engineer focused on Ethereum Research and Development at Kiln. And joining us today is Teddy Knotts, Senior Research Engineer at EigenLabs to discuss the very exciting AVS, which is EigenDA. Teddy, how are you today? Doing well, thanks for having me on. It's our pleasure. Um, I guess I'll start with the, our first question, very simple. Can you just introduce yourself and like uh, your background and what led you to work uh, on blockchain in crypto and joining EigenLabs? Yeah, sure. So um, I uh, I went to school and studied CS and knew I wanted to work in tech in some way. Um, I'd been programming since I was in uh, high school and kind of obsessed with the idea that technology could improve the world you know it, it 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 translates into economic growth and everybody ends up richer and hopefully happier and um i worked in web 2 for a little while after college and saw that it didn't seem like this was translating into improvements in the quality of life for most people on the planet and so the question was well you know what kind of work in tech would do that and it was around 2017 that I discovered crypto and uh, kind of fell in love with this idea that crypto could be this technology that empowered people with software rather than sort of serving as um, more of a, 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 a utility that was centralized and uh, kind of went from there. So I joined uh, a Stakefish back in 2020, which is another validator. and. Uh, I too was a protocol specialist there for a little while and then went to a startup called Duality in the Cosmos ecosystem. And I was there for about a year as the uh, the tech lead on their product. And then finally joined Eigen Labs about uh, five months ago as a senior uh, research engineer. Great. Uh, yeah, so uh, that's, you had like, I think a great background and a great way to see like different ways to 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 do blockchains and uh, especially around the modularity in the the Cosmos ecosystem. That's that's really great. Um, last week uh, we had uh, Amrit from AdLayer on, who already introduced the concept of wallops, uh, and I know it's going to be like a, a big big topic in this uh, AVS series. Uh, today we're going to be talking about data availability. Could you tell us what is data availability and what is a, a data availability layer? Yeah, sure. So um, this one, you know, until I went to work for Eigen Labs, this one confused me for a while. Uh, data availability is the storage of transaction data for the for some temporary amount of time. It depends on the exact you know, data availability layer that you're using, but. Um, the general idea of data availability is that L2s need a place to, L2s and L3s need a place to put transactions, so store transactions in 
usually a decentralized way in some way, um, <clears throat> although not necessarily, uh, so that the various other full nodes of the L2 or L3 network can see those transactions and also rederive the state root of the you know of the L2 or L3. And uh, so you know I sort of touched on it a little bit, but decentralization is an important aspect of any kind of scalable uh, L2 or L3 that's looking to provide the same kind of guarantees as a uh, as a centralized L1. So that's the general idea, um, and that's what IGDA is doing. Nice, and yeah. So, so like within the, the this this uh, this concept, like what is EigenDA and what purpose does it serve? Sure. So, I I'll start with uh, I'll start with the the sort of origin story of EigenDA. EigenDA is the the first AVS on EigenLayer. And so, you know, everybody's heard of Eigenlayer. Eigenlayer is a restaking platform that lets people um, put their Ethereum stake to more work. It uh, provides the restakers with additional yield on their existing yield with their staked Ethereum, but it also subjects them to additional slashing conditions. The idea is that uh, with Eigenlayer, you can um, incentivize and secure services outside of just the Ethereum um, validators. And so uh, EigenDA is uh, one of the first AVSs on EigenLayer. This means that if, uh, EigenDA operators are secured by the restake from EigenLayer. And EigenDA's sort of core uh, concept is that of, uh, of allowing the user to own their relationship to DA. So what does this mean? This means that EigenDA, you know, not only scales, it, you know, it scales to, we've done uh, tests that scale it all the way up to 10 megabytes per second, but also EigenDA will let you stake potentially with uh, a dual Quora model, which means that you can use your own, your rollups token to, uh, to, to define a quorum that's separate from the, the main default quorum based on uh, the Ethereum restaked. And so you can define a second quorum, which is sort of secured by your own token. Um, EigenDA also uh, allows you to uh, pay for your DA services in terms of your own native token. And EigenDA also allows you to reserve bandwidth. So you can uh, basically control these costs that otherwise would be very volatile when it comes to running a rollup. And so that's the general idea of EigenDA. EigenDA is a, a set of operators that provide hyperscale level throughput to L2s and L3s, meaning uh, DA storage, and do, doing so at a, 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 a in a customized way that allows rollups to own that relationship. Great. Okay, super clear. And... Uh... Have you already talked to uh, specific rollups? Can you talk about like rollups that you've already integrated with, uh, or like maybe rollup stacks that you've already integrated with, and uh, the the future for integration? Like what, uh, what, how many rollups can we expect again DA to support in in the future? Yeah, sure. Um, okay, so uh, like I said, we uh, we did a speed test and um, found that 
EigenDA was capable of handling up to almost 12 megabytes per second um, of data on Guerly. So, uh, you know, within that throughput, which we're launching with and actually is subject to continue increasing post-launch, um, we can support many, many rollups. Um, for example, you know, EIP4844 opens up uh, one to two megabytes of space per Ethereum block. And here we are talking about, you know, 10 megabytes per second through EigenDA. So, you know, it, it changes the economics dramatically. Uh, we have a, a long list of uh, launch partners for EigenDA. We have um, Celo, Layer N. Uh, AltLayer is a rollup as a service platform, but also brings restaking, uh, or sorry, uh, restaked rollups. We have Polymer bringing IBC to the uh, Ethereum ecosystem. We have Versatus, NodeKit, Movement Labs, um, and uh, yeah, the list goes on. But we uh, we've found that there's a fair bit of excitement around EigenDA and the idea of uh, of scaling DA um, in a way that gives rollups control over what what their integration looks like. And so there's, you know, that side, which is all these rollups are interested in launching with EigenDA. Um, there's the other side, which is, you know, what is EigenDA doing to make it easy for these rollups to launch? And so that's actually my day job at EigenLabs is integrating EigenDA with various rollup development kits or RDKs, as I'm calling them. And uh, we currently support two RDKs. That number is increasing every week. But uh, we, we, we started with support for OP Stack, which is the software that runs Optimism. And uh, that launched roughly a month and a half ago. And then we actually launched uh, support for Arbitrum's Orbit Stack, which is uh, a similar platform that lets developers launch L2s and L3s using the same software that powers Arbitrum 1 and Arbitrum Nova. And so we launched these two integrations in a sort of uh, V0 uh, model where the integrations uh, write to EigenDA, they read from EigenDA, um, but fraud proofs are not enabled yet. So that's that's something that's coming before the mainnet launch um, in a couple months. And then finally, we have you know a long roadmap for uh, adding further support for RDKs. Uh, we have Polygon CDK uh, currently under development. We have uh, work on integrating with Rollkit. Um, and then we have uh, an interest in providing services to uh, a variety of ZK-based RDKs as well. So yeah, a lot of um, exciting progress on the EigenDA front. And um, the general goal is to launch, Eigen, uh, it's, is to launch EigenDA with um, a vibrant community from day one. So uh, about a month ago, there, were, there was like a query upgrade where blobs arrived with like photos and sharding. Um, and I guess like the implementation of uh, EigenDA is strongly linked to, to this. How, how did you approach this, uh, this upgrade and what, what didn't change for you? Yeah, sure. Uh, so protodank sharding um, and EigenDA operate relatively independently. So protodank sharding is 
you know, the idea of increasing the block size of Ethereum blocks to support what essentially um, serves the same role as call data uh, in a DA capacity, but which um, this data actually cannot be executed on. And so this makes it so that the cost to Ethereum validators and operators is lower than if you had just increased the amount of call data that uh, could be uh, stored in each Ethereum block. But it also introduces this sort of multidimensional fee market, which allows these two things to operate independently. Um, so, you know, like I said before, this ends up being one to two megabytes per Ethereum block, which is roughly every 12 seconds. This increases the, you know, the L2 throughput, the, you know, secure full roll-up L2 throughput um, dramatically, right? Because I think the the current general max of call data that could be written to Ethereum is roughly 200 kilobytes. And so this is, you know, a good order of magnitude larger. Uh, that's great. And that's going to provide throughput to rollups that already settle on Ethereum and are interested in um, scaling up from there and, you know, reducing their costs from there. Uh, EigenDA is, a, is, a, is aimed to supplement that additional throughput. And in general, our thesis is one of induced demand, which is essentially if we stop doing, you know, pricing and we stop uh, passing on the cost of DA or the, you know, the congestion cost of DA, uh, where there's a shortage of DA to the users, how many new users will come to crypto? How many new users will be, you know, thrilled to use an L2 where, you know, fees are so low that the sequencer, you know, basically uh, doesn't charge for them. Somehow makes money another way. Or doesn't, maybe. And it's, it's, uh, I think if, you know, EIP 4844 is successful, that's great. And, and, you know, of course it will be. Um, EigenDA is aimed to scaling beyond that. Great. Um, and I think in, in the DA space, like we've seen a lot of also newcomers, um, you have seen, like, for example, like Celestia, Avail. Um, how do you think, like, EigenDA compares to uh, those uh, new uh, actors in the in in the space? And how how do you think uh, EigenDA is different or, or slash better? Sure, sure. Um, so I think the a good place to start with EigenDA and how it compares is where the design came from for EigenDA. The the general idea of EigenDA was, can we build a DA layer that is completely oriented around Ethereum L2s and Ethereum L3s? So start from there, right? So, you know, sovereign rollups, you know, are all, you know, good and well, but this is aimed for rollups that are bridging from Ethereum. And the main insight that we had when designing EigenDA was that we actually did not need to run any kind of consensus as part of supporting the DA goal. Because uh, running consensus is actually relatively expensive. You need to be able to propagate blocks from a proposer to the rest of the validator set. You need to then collect all these signatures. Um, that whole process is, uh, is this sort of almost N-squared problem. And uh, 
if you try to build anything scalable where there's an n squared problem involved, you're going to run into trouble. And so EigenDA saw this and said, okay, well, you know, it looks like we might not actually need to run consensus to make this thing work. We already have Ethereum that that can potentially provide us consensus in the same way it provides consensus for L2s and L3s. Can we build a DA network around that general principle? And the answer was yes. Um, EigenDA is different in that its DA nodes are uh, directly addressed by the sequencer or the EigenDA disperser, which is essentially a sequencer component. And uh, this basically allows EigenDA to scale in a much more straightforward way. Essentially, EigenDA scales with the, uh, the number of operators and the amount of stake that is staked with EigenDA operators. And so, like, you know, we can expect uh, a network that essentially does not tax you for greater throughput, doesn't have some kind of super linear relationship um, to uh, between uh, throughput and cost to, you know, be generally a better DA uh, solution for rollups looking for that. So uh, that's the general, that's the main difference between EigenDA and, and various competitors. I think uh, the other factor that EigenDA prides itself uh, on is this idea that, you know, DA should not be a, uh, it should not be this service that's, you know, so modular that it doesn't provide uh, a tailored experience to roll up. So let's say you're launching a, a, a roll up that you, you need absolute security for, you know, maybe it's, it's dealing in very high value transactions. You're probably as a roll up administrator or a sequencer, you're probably very much interested in, um, paying for a higher level of security from EigenDA to avoid data withholding attacks, then, you know, let's say maybe just like a, a, a much smaller payment processor. And so uh, the EigenDA approach to allowing you the security is to let you select when you're going to disperse a blob, when the sequencer is saying, hey, I have a batch of L2 transactions I'd like to write, you let the sequencer decide, you know, as part of that, to what degree should this blob be replicated on the EigenDA network, on the on the operator set of EigenDA. And so what you're doing is you're selecting a, a quorum threshold, which is saying like how many, what, you know, what percentage of stake has to have received this data in order for them to sign off on it, or in order for the entire blob to be dispersed. And then there's this other aspect of it, which is the uh, adversary threshold, which is what percentage of the stake needs to sort of go Byzantine or, you know, be dishonest for the the blob to be unavailable. And so you can customize these two parameters as you wish and end up with, you know, between two sequencers with different sets of parameters, you know, very different distributions of their individual blobs according to the security needs that they have. And so... Uh, that's just one example. I, I mentioned a few others like dual quorum staking and paying rewards in your own token, as well as um, as uh, reserve bandwidth. But these are sort of like examples of this approach we're trying to take to DA, which is you know going beyond just like hey, we can store your data, and you know that's great. Um, versus you know going and being a partner through the process and ensuring that the rollup sort of feels like they are uh, receiving this experience that aligns with the goal of their product.
So if, if I understand correctly, like sequencers will be able to define how they want their data to be stored uh, geographically or according to different criteria that are like available. How how is it going to work on the operator side? Like, will operators have like to uh, go up front and say like, hey, look, uh, we are in this I don't know part of the world, or we can under, handle this amount of data? How how basically like will operators will be able to, like to define their uh, characteristics that then can help like on the ape? Um, decide how to distribute data. I'm not sure if my question was clear. That makes sense. Yeah. So to start, EigenDA is not going to have any kind of geographic um, protocol level concerns. So um, sort of similar to how proof of stake works, where you know geography doesn't play into who's a proposer. Usually, it's just you know the amount of stake and whatever random seed decided who becomes a proposer. Um, it's it's that same. Uh, that's same strategy, but um, the uh, yeah the general idea is that um, Eigen DA has a certain throughput at launch, which is uh, mostly a product of the uh, throughput of the the KZG commitment proof generation. This is sort of the bottleneck in the process. This is something that we can you know increase the speed on relatively quickly. You can accelerate this with GPUs really easily. You can, you know, decentralize it and have all the sequencers be doing it rather than a centralized um, component be doing it. And um, uh, the the throughput of the system is, you know, fixed at least to start at 10 megabytes per second. And the general idea is that the operators with the most stake are receiving the most bandwidth of that 10 megabytes per second. So they're tasked with writing that data and storing it so that it can be later retrieved. Um, and then from there, the idea is, okay, as we, you know, as the network is established and as greater demand becomes, uh, you know, becomes available, then we can go and increase the, the, the throughput of the entire network. And by doing that, the, you know, the operators with the greatest amount of stake will essentially have greater responsibility for storing more data. But um, yeah, we don't see any kind of issue there. Operators um, don't necessarily need to be uh, one machine. Theoretically, an operator could be uh, a cluster of machines operated by a validator, and that can scale relatively well. Amixis, you had another question? Uh, yeah, it's more like, uh, like stepping a bit back. So you are like probably like the first gold standard AVS um, around uh, and I guess uh, uh, you are discovering like probably patterns to like write AVS in the right way and like sort of like paving the way for future future AVSs that are like being developed in parallel. Uh, yeah, how do you think your work here is going to impact the ecosystem, let's say in, uh, like when there are like dozens of AVSs uh, production rate? Yeah, sure. So I think I think it needs to be done. You know, we need to we need to show the world that Eigenlayer can uh, support AVSs that really make an impact to the crypto ecosystem. I think that like there's a bit of psychology involved there. You know, for many people, you know, they're not going to believe that it's possible until it's done. Um, so that's one aspect of it. Um, I think. In general, we're, we're seeing a lot of interest in AVSs. Um, you know, for example, we have Witness building proof of location. 
Uh, even Espresso is building a DA layer using Eigenlayer as an AVS. And we encourage that. Um, and we see that, you know, this is, you know, the general thesis of Eigenlayer as a whole, which is that there's this, you know, huge pool of security that could be being applied to a variety of other, you know, tasks and could, you know, essentially simplify the um, security model of a lot of these different existing ABSs that are not associated with Eigenlayer. So um, if EigenDA is successful, that will just sort of prove the thesis of Eigenlayer more and more. Nice. And, and, and how long was the process to, to build the, the AVS? Uh, where did, the, did the process start right after you started working on, on Eigenlayer? Uh, and I guess the, the follow-up question is what's, what, what are like good guidelines to, to, to build, uh, an AVS? Uh, we've seen some AVS talk about AVS minimalism. Is it a good path or is it just, uh, a bunch of different trade-offs and everybody will have to adapt, uh, their own way? Sure. Sure. Um, so the. The general, you know, the general, start over. So the general uh, relationship between an ABS and Eigenlayer is one of defining uh, paths for rewards and paths for slashing. And so uh, in some ways it kind of has sure some amount of similarity to, um, uh, you know, an optimistic roll-up in the sense that uh, an optimistic roll-up, you have this proposer, that's doing, you know, sending state routes to a bridge and in certain conditions, um, that proposer can be slashed for, you know, providing a incorrect state route. At least that's how it works in, um, Arbitrum Nitro. And so, uh, there's like a, you know, whole set of sort of logistics around exactly how do you validate these slashing conditions and under what conditions does, does the slashing actually occur? Um, as well as, you know, various logistics around how do you reward operators of a given ABS. Um, the, uh, I guess that, you know, the approach that any given ABS takes to implementing those two sets of concerns um, is going to differ widely by ABS. Um, but for EigenDA, we're sort of seeing that we're touching on a lot of different things. For example, um, we're considering doing proof of custody, which is, you know, ensuring that EigenDA nodes are indeed storing data as long as they um, are supposed to, which is two weeks. And uh, that would involve some amount of slashing conditions, um, as well as, you know, the standard rewards model where uh, an EigenDA operator must get paid for doing the storage. So, um, yeah, it's going to differ by ABS. Nice. And yet, I think this is a good segue uh, into the the whole revenue model. Uh, you know, this this podcast is is, uh, is is really tailored towards having like a restaker audience, uh, so that people more understand better like what they will be securing, and also the the potential revenue that they'll be able to get. So uh, I, I want to jump into like this new category, which will be like uh, what can restakers expect. Uh, from Agendi in terms of, of revenue, uh, what are the things that they can look at to, uh, or they could they could hope will happen in, in the space 
for Agendia to generate more revenue. Um, and, and yeah, pretty much. Sure. Okay, so uh, the general idea is we want to remove this kind of like cap on supply of DA, right? Because right now there is one. If you're uh, building a, a roll-up and you're uh, intent on using some kind of decentralized DA service um, within the Ethereum ecosystem, you are pretty much limited to either you know, plain Ethereum call data, which is 200 kilobytes every 12 seconds, or EIP 4844, which is one to two megabytes every 12 seconds. Um, <clears throat> there, the, the demand for EA uh, is um, elastic in that if the price of DA is too high, people are less interested in it. And also, you know, you can't increase the price to infinity. It's not like there's some kind of like ultra... Well, actually, maybe you can right now, but you, you you kind of can't because at the end of the day, users of Optimism and uh, Arbitrum are unwilling to pay fees that are um, too high. And so what this means is like if the industry wants to, you know, not only scale blockchain to the next billion users, but if the industry also wants to turn DA into a, a profitable uh, a business, there just needs to be more supply. Right. Like, you know, you can only make, you know, so much in rewards and, and fees if there's a limited amount of DA. So that's sort of one angle on it is that, you know, the increase in supply of DA should basically translate into greater rewards for operators. Um, the, the general goal is can we move from this model? I mean, this is a, a separate idea, but can we move from this model where we're essentially doing congestion pricing, right? Like uh, Ethereum call data is priced according to how many other people want it. And uh, this is, you know, good and bad for the same reason I just covered. But if we can move to a model that is, you know, generally I would say better, which is, you know, let's pay, let's let users pay for DA what they need in security. Essentially, cost of security is something that you know the user is interested in. What I mean by that is, if DA is priced just according, you know, let's imagine a world where DA is you know bountiful. There's there's uh, you know gigabytes of DA per second um, available to users. That does not necessarily mean that the price of DA goes to zero, because of course, if the price of DA actually went to zero, how much security would the DA be providing? Um, the important factor is how much security does the user need in, you know, performing the transaction that they wish to perform. And so, you know, as we, you know, as the DA industry matures and as external DA becomes uh, an adopted paradigm, what we're going to see with Eigen DA and with various other DA uh, providers is one where we're, you know, the user is quantifying exactly how much security they need and that. Uh, that those fees end up in the hands of operators and restakers um, as a way of you know ensuring that there is sufficient security. So um, that's another big idea associated with cost. Um, and what we can generally expect is you know stakers or restakers will be able to earn significant rewards on top of their existing uh, Ethereum 
rewards. Perfect. And, and, and so are, are we, as the stakers, are we expecting to, these rollups to be paying in, in Ethereum, in their own uh, rollup token? What do you think? Do you think uh, Agendi will be able to impose uh, a model there? So, you know, we don't want to impose any specific model. I think uh, rollups might be interested in paying in Ethereum, um, but they, uh, you know, in general, we serve as sort of like a middleman in this marketplace uh, between operators and, or not middleman, but like sort of like a, you know, allowing allowing these two sides to meet. Um, and the uh, operators are going to require a certain amount of rewards long-term in order to decide to run EigenDA. Um, and the question will be, okay, well, you know, are the various um, users of EigenDA, you know, for example, like, you know, a, a, an L2 with the sequencer dispersing blobs to EigenDA, are they compensating these operators well enough for these operators to um, continue to run EigenDA? And so that's sort of like a, you know, a, a marketplace of the cost of EigenDA or the cost of, you know, running an operator where we are not going to impose any specific controls on exactly what token changes hands. So an L2 could theoretically pay for their DA services in their own token. And that's if operators choose to accept it or, you know, on, on what terms, you know, what, what exchange rate or whatever. So, um, yeah, we, we, we want to basically not impose our own, you know, approach to that and let the market decide on that one. And do you know like how the the market will be able to to decide? Will there be like some type of of governance on the at the restaker slash operator level uh, for them to to decide uh, what what they 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 want rollups to be able or not be able to do? Well, it's the same kind of governance that decides who is an operator in a proof of stake network, right? Like there's this you know process of voting with your feet. Um, it's actually voting with your stake in this world, but, um, yeah, the people with the most, the, the operators with the most stake end up becoming validators and the same will be true of EigenDA operators, right? Like if people choose to restake with these operators, um, then they become added to the EigenDA operator set. And, um, similarly, you know, the operators also have a role to play in opting into that arrangement. So if they feel like they're not earning enough rewards from, you know, the various, uh, compensations they're getting from rollups, then they're going to, you know, decide that this isn't worth it for them. So yeah, that, that's generally how the marketplace is going to function. What do you think would be the role of operators, uh, from a security perspective, like will there be the ones, let's say choosing and like, uh, doing security reviews of uh, the different AVCs, AVSs around or is it going to be like more organic like I don't know a bunch of stakers decide to opt in for everything and they get slashed because like I don't know it was like not high quality AVS or this kind of stuff and like with time we, we learn from our mistakes like how, how do you see this going on? Well I, I see operators as an important part of any ecosystem whether that's an AVS ecosystem with an eigenlayer, or whether that's uh, a challenger network for an L2 or um, an L2 
validator ecosystem or even full node ecosystem. So, you know, operators always have a role to play in um, not just sort of taking code and running it, but maybe, you know, developing alternative implementations of a protocol, um, doing their own audits, or at least, you know, checking on the claimed audits from protocol teams. Um, I think operators are going to absolutely play a role in um, upgrades, which obviously are not you know, mandatory. Every upgrade generally will require buy-in from the operator set. And so um, protocol teams will need to sort of do a certain amount of persuasion and say, hey, you know, this upgrade is a step in the right direction and, you know, everybody wins with this upgrade. So, um, yeah, those are a few examples. I think operators are absolutely, definitely part of the process. Do you think there will be like some sort of EIP process uh, for EigenLayer or EigenDA? Um, eventually, yeah. I mean, EigenLayer is, uh, is built to be a protocol and not some kind of centralized decision-making authority. And so um, I can definitely envision it happening in the future. I, I can't tell you with any certainty. I don't have any special knowledge of that. Um, if uh, anything relating to that, but you know, I would speculate and say yes. So I say, um, and um, I, my, I guess my, my next question is, I think something that all of us want to know is uh, whether we risk takers will uh, be able to start uh, earning rewards, uh, uh, securing EigenDA. Uh, do you have some uh, some timelines to to share with us? So EigenDA is going to mean that around April, Q2 is, is what we're claiming. We haven't set an official date yet, but that's the general goal. And we'll be launching um, with a, a very minimal set of features. And so um, the, the payment system will be launched with the mainnet version of EigenDA, and I think we can um, say that, you know, rewards will begin to come out, uh, around that time, but, uh, there may be, you know, specifics to the schedule, which change that. So, you know, in general, the goal is, you know, we have not really crossed the finish line on the 1.0 release of EigenDA until not only is it launched on mainnet, but operators are earning rewards so that they're not like, you know, just taking on debt, running our service. Nice. And, and, and uh, do you already know maybe like how many rollups uh, will be uh, will be supported via EigenDA? Uh, will we, we get the help of EigenDA when EigenDA launches? Do you have like a number in mind maybe? Well, so the total amount of DA demand is actually relatively low in the industry right now. Um, you can look on various other DA providers, explorers, and see yourself what the amount of data that's being written to external DA. Um, and so our view is with 10 megabytes per second, which is, you know, miles above any other DA, external DA service, um, we have enough throughput to support essentially as many rollups as want to use EigenDA. And so our current launch partner list um, has roughly 10 names on it. And we're looking to increase that 
to the degree that rollups are interested in IDDA. Great. Uh, MXS, do you maybe have a uh, for the question? Um, I'm afraid I don't. Um, now that's, I think that's perfect. Um, I, at least like on the kill side, we've been very excited to, for the, the launch of, uh, of AVS mainnet and, and for EigenDA specifically, um, I, I know you're, you're not only in EigenDA, you're more broadly on EigenLabs. Do you already like know, uh, how many other AVS you'll be uh, launching at, uh, at the same moment, or is it going to be, um, is it going to be like EigenDA and then few days after like uh, others or are, they, are we going to, are we going to see four AVS at once, for example? So I'm a bit closer to the EigenDA side. So I'm, I'm a little bit less, um, knowledgeable about this side of the EigenLabs business. Um, the general goal is to launch with other AVSs. So, you know, EigenLayer launches and there are several other AVSs that launch with it. Um, that's about as much as I can give you, unfortunately. Yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, I think, I think the, the general goal is to bootstrap and kickstart this ecosystem of operators, restakers, and, uh, AVS developers, these protocols. And the only way you do that is with, you know, getting all three of these you know, elements in the room at the same time and sort of making it happen. Because if you, you kind of launch and you don't have a bunch of pressure kind of synthesizing these three things, then it, you know, the mixture won't ignite and it won't, it won't, it won't actually start. And so, yes, that's the, you know, the complete goal is to launch and try and sort of get this whole flywheel spinning. Um, talking a bit about testnets, so right now uh, EigenLayer is uh, only present in Go early. Um, do you think like it will move to Holesky and when? Because like Go early is like getting deprecated. Uh, so thank you. It's a great question. Um, yes, so we are going to be moving to Holesky. We're gonna probably wait it out until the bitter end on Go early because we want to put all of our resources towards getting to mainnet. And so, you know, focusing on two test nets at the same time doesn't make sense. Um, we've gotten a lot of requests to also support Sepolia, um, which is something we want to do, although, you know, it's a little bit more costly because of the exact model of uh, Sepolia as like a proof of authority test net versus the other uh, test nets, which are um, sort of proof of stake test nets that more accurately reflect the true production environment, the main net. Um, but yeah, it's on our to-do list. So uh, it's quite interesting that you mentioned Sepoya because there is, well, no staking there. So like would security be brought by some sort of wrapped uh, Sepoya token or like how would you be able to restake like without a staking mechanism? Right, well, that's the problem. You, you hit the nail on the head. We would essentially be simulating, you know, some kind of staked token, and then you'd be able to use that. Um, but obviously, you know, that that would involve development towards a testnet. This is not something we want to be spending 
energy on, at least at this time in the company's life. Perfect. Uh, just being uh, a bit uh, conscious of time because we were a little over. Uh, Teddy, uh, we're going to wrap this up. Uh, where can we send the, the audience to, to find you and find more information on, on EigenDA? Sure. So my Twitter handle is Teddy Knox. Um, and you can find more information about EigenDA on the uh, EigenDA Docs website, which is docs.eigenlayer.xyz, um, or on Twitter at Eigen underscore DA. So thank you so much for having me on. This has been great. Yeah, thank you so much, Teddy, for, for joining us. It was, it was great to, to, to talk to you. Uh, and, and I hope that uh, we'll be able to see you maybe in East Denver. I don't know if you're joining. I will, yes. I'm flying out early for uh, the Hacker House and Hackathon that Eigen Labs uh, is hosting. And then um, maybe I'll see some people skiing after. Perfect. Nice. That's a great program. Uh, thank you so much, uh, Teddy, and uh, uh, hoping to hear a lot more of uh, Eigen DA uh, in April. Thanks a lot. Thank you so much. Wonderful. Thank you, Edgar. Thank you, Sebastian. Thanks for listening to this special AVS edition of Kiln Rendezvous. Subscribe to our newsletter for weekly updates. If you need assistance with staking or restaking, feel free to reach out to our team at hello at kiln.fi. We're here to help.